0: Lightning Round. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hello, and welcome to episode twelve of the Dave Kirshner Lightning Round Podcast. It is week sixteen. In the 46th Quadrennial Hunger Games. And, oh my god, it feels like it has just been... It, uh, I, I, I don't have anything to say about current events today. I really... I just don't know what to even think anymore. It, it really... I mean, really the only prevailing thought is, Well, one step closer to socialism. Well... One step closer to total government control of everything that we say and think and do. And the third thought is, well, it's going to be a tough one to shoot our way out of if they keep going down this path unchecked. Oh, man. I I just don't know what to say about it anymore. It... It is it's mind boggling and baffling. And I honestly, I'm, I'm just not that surprised because uh, the bait and switch that <clears throat> um, we knew was going to happen because of the people that Biden was surrounding himself with were unabashed socialists, wannabe communists big government is good government type people, you knew that it didn't matter what Biden said or stumbled his way through on the campaign trail. If that idiot got in office, it was not going to be an administration that was run by him or even Kamala for that, Comrade Kamala for that matter. It's being run by leftist corporations it's being run by leftist lobbyists and it's just yeah buyer's remorse doesn't even begin to explain what some of the voters are thinking and feeling at this point uh man it's just it's just it's almost it's just too much so i'm not even gonna bother with it today um my goal today is to talk about things that I've been doing, things that I'm constantly mindful of or or maintain a degree of vigilance toward. Um so let's get to it. <laughs> Not sure why I threw the applause in there, but it just felt right, so I did it. <laughs> Um, so what I've been doing, I've been doing a lot of maintenance, um, on equipment and the house. So it's going to be kind of all encompassing. So, um, to give you an example, I've, I've got a weed eater and that weed eater is probably, oh, I don't know, 10, 12 years old and some parts had, had worn out and gone bad. And, and my wife is looking at me like, why are you spending so much time trying to find the online parts catalog just 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 go buy a new one and i'm thinking what obviously she has no idea how much a new weed eater costs because if she did (laughs) she would have never made that statement so what i needed was um so i have a a, a toro weed eater and um the power head on that the motor if you want to call it that but it's called power head uh it works just fine starts right up no problems the problem i ran into is i have a uh, curved bar for the weed eater head i got multiple attachments to go with it i've got a a, a tilling attachment i've got the uh, the edger attachment and the weed eater attachment i don't have a lot of brush so i've i've not needed to go out and go get the the brush cutter to go on it but when i get some land then yeah I'm going to go get the brushed head for it, the brush cutting head. But when I, have, when I want to edge something with the weed eater, after I've already edged it with the, the metal blade, like around curbs and sidewalks and driveways or whatever, um, I maintain that cut edge with, with the weed eater head. And with this particular model, because I have a curved bar on it, I can rotate the, the weed eater head. So that it functions like an edger, and not just you know going in and, and cutting parallel to the ground as in a normal weed eater fashion like you would around a fence post or something. But the uh, the the tightening the screw, the nut, whatever. Once I once I un, once I loosen it up and I rotate it and I can tighten it back up. It keeps stripping that screw, that little. It's like a little drive, I guess. Got a little red handle on it. It keeps stripping that the threads on that two-inch uh, bolt of sorts, and so I bought a new one. And, and actually, what I did is I bought three of them because <laughs> I keep wearing them out because I we use it so much. And uh, so that was that was like three dollars each. And then at the tail end of last year, at the end of last season, gardening season, um, the the uh, what do you even call it? It's like a grass blah, blocker, the shield, gla- the the grass shield that's down at the head. I had a piece on that kind of break off, so I replaced that. That one cost me five bucks. So, so nine and five is fourteen, plus ten dollars in shipping. So it cost me twenty four bucks to fix a piece of equipment that didn't need to be replaced. So, if you're getting into the preparedness game, or you're trying to maintain your desire to stay in the preparedness game, whatever you're, uh, wherever you are in your in in your walk, let's call it that, um, you need to be looking to maintain your equipment. Uh, There's no reason to go out and go buy one. I mean, if the wife knew that a brand new weed eater that with the types of things that I needed to have and I would have to replace them all because they're not you know different brands aren't always interchangeable um for example the place where I bought this Toro uh weed eater and the various attachments and went with it they don't even carry Toro anymore they only carry Husqvarna so those parts those those um different interchangeable heads aren't interchangeable with the with the power head so, I would have to buy all new parts to go with it. And so, you know, instead of spending $300 or $250, I spent 24 So, it's all about being able to maintain your equipment, but it's also about knowing how to maintain your equipment. And being able to go in and do, if you don't have the original owner's manual that came with the WIDA. That thing's 12 years old, man. I got no idea where the owner's manual is for that thing. But if I had it, it would have told me where I could have found the parts and it might have had a parts breakdown diagram or something. But, it, you know, in the, in the age of the internet, all that crap's online. So I just wrote down, you know, I went over to the power head and I wrote down the model number and the serial number. And I came upstairs and I said, parts diagram, Toro Weed Eater, model number 1234567. And bloop, came right up. And then you could click on the different blow ups. And say, oh, uh, if you're looking for parts for your power head, click on this one. If you're looking for parts for the shaft, click on this one. Parts for the, the, the weed eater head, click on this one. So I could blow up the different images and then see exactly what the part number was that I needed. So I could go in and just order that one part number. I don't need the whole weed eater head. And I don't need the whole shaft assembly. I just needed this part and this part. And because I wear out the... Uh, the locking mechanism for when I turn the shaft I bought extras because when you have the ability to get extras in a land of plenty you should get extras that way you don't have to keep going through this exercise every year or two to go find the part or do it Just get some extra ones when you can and the same thing goes for vehicles if you're if you're going to be handy with a vehicle. And there are things that you can do on a vehicle yourself. When you can afford it, you should get extra parts, whether that's belts or shocks or a starter or an alternator or a, you know a fan belt, whatever, uh, spark plugs, uh, the spark plug wires, what you know, whatever it is that, that you're comfortable doing, you should get extras so you don't have to deal with. The hassle of getting it to the mechanic, getting a ride home from the mechanic, organizing a ride back to the mechanic to go pick it up, or, you know, walking to go get it, or, you know, somebody's going to come, you know, whether that's a, a garage that'll pick you up and drop you off, whatever. You need to be able to do some things on your own. And I remember when I was a kid, um, I went fishing with a buddy of mine, same guy I went, um quail hunting down in in north carolina and um my wife says my accent always comes back whenever i say north carolina so that's kind of funny um and then when i'm really drunk i'll say north kakalaki <laughs> i don't know why i just thought of that but i did anyway um i went down there and and uh we were doing some fishing off the coast uh, off the outer banks and there was this crusty old fisherman I'm, I'm sure he's long since passed i mean that guy looked like he was from the time of Moses, but that was probably mostly just sun damage on his skin. But And this was also back in the time when you could drive on the dunes down there in, in the Outer Banks, and you could drive right out onto the beach. And uh, he had this old 1977 Ford F-150, and it, had, it was jet black, but it was faded, obviously, because it was so old. This was in 1992, 93. So this truck was already 12, 15 years old. And um but the, you know the paint was fading it had this giant rainbow sticker that went right down the side of the truck man and it was <laughs> this was before the rainbow sticker was uh, taken over and appropriated by the the alternative side of the house with making the, the rainbow flag synonymous with gay and lesbian rights. I mean this is the 70s so the rainbow sticker didn't mean anything other than our freaking rainbow sticker It didn't have any political connotations to it. And, um, so I walked over to this guy and I asked him if, you know, I, I think it might have had a for sale placard in one of the windows. I, I, and I think that was the impetus for me to go over there and talk to him. And, um, he had, he had spot welded a piece of diamond plate steel in, not a, when I say a piece, I'm, I'm talking about a sheet. He had put that and spot welded it into the bed of the truck because he had been driving on the beach for so long with all the salt water that the tires had churned up all this salt water for so long that the entire bed of the truck had eroded away. And he was using the diamond plate steel to help hold the sidewalls of the bed on so they wouldn't fall off and flap out when he was driving down the road. (laughs) So, I was building houses at the time, and I had a little little change in my pocket going jang on lang on lang and so i bought that truck from that crusty old fisherman for i think it was about a thousand i think it was a thousand dollars and i i brought it home and i went over to a buddy's house uh, a few weeks after i got it and and um his dad owned a whole bunch of uh pick and pulls and i pulled that <laughs> that rusted mess into the driveway of this kind of, uh, it wasn't it was a, it a mansion, but it kind of a stately estate of sorts. And uh, this was in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, riding along Pinehurst number two, very famous golf course, the whole bit. And his dad came out of the house and said, you are never to park that, that piece of shit in my driveway again. Get it out of my driveway, you're leaking oil on my concrete. Yada, 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 yada. So he made me move the truck. So I put it up on the street and walked back down to the house. <laughs> and he said, boy, what the hell is that? And I was like, dude, you like my truck? I bought my new truck. And he was like, oh my gosh, what What are you going to do? I said, I got a lot of repairs I got to do to it. But uh, he said, look, here's what I'm going to tell you to do. First thing to do is go down to, to Napa or Advance Auto Parts and go buy the children's book. And it'll tell you how to fix everything on that truck. I said, oh, okay, that's a great idea. He said, second thing I'm going to ask you is how much money do you have left after buying that piece of shit? <laughs> and I said, oh, I got about, I got a couple hundred dollars left, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm still working and, and what have you. And and uh, he said, all right, here's the deal. I want you to go down to the pick and pull down there in Rockingham. You know where it is? And I was like, yes, sir. He said, go down there and uh, go find a manager jasper (laughs) i remember his name now jasper uh he runs that pick and pull for me and you go tell him that i told you you could get anything you want on the lot and you hand him 250 dollars and i was like well what if it doesn't cost he goes come with me and we went up to the truck and he said um you need a new bed okay that's 100 bucks you need a new uh passenger side fender that's 50 bucks you need a new mirror here. You need this. You need that. I mean, he literally just went around the truck. He didn't give it like a full-blown inspection, but he was just looking at it. And he was like, "You all right, so you need all of this stuff. And if you were going to go to my pick and pull and you didn't know me and you didn't have this favor being called in by me for you, you would easily have to pay about $600. So I'm going to give you all this stuff for $250. You get all this stuff fixed, and then you maybe I'll let you park in my driveway. <laughs> I was like, "Yes, sir. We'll do." So the next weekend, I went down there and I got all my stuff, and I took a full tool set with me. And and you know, I was like, "Look, if he's going to give me all this stuff, and I only got to pay 250 bucks, I went and found every single truck on that lot that had matching parts. So I went and got two starters, I got alternators, I got new doors, I got two new fenders for each side. Why?" Because I was a little redneck, and I liked driving my truck in the dirt, and in the mud, and in the woods, and off-road. And and I knew I was going to hit shit. And I knew if I had to go back down there, I wasn't going to get that part for $250 for a whole truckload of stuff. I was going to have to pay full cost. So I got extras. (laughs) And that book from, I think it was Advance Auto or maybe it was Napa, I think my, only t- my town only had an advanced auto. I bought the book, Children's, t- C-H-I-L-D-A-N apostrophe S, Children's. And it literally taught me how to do everything on that truck. How to fix it, how to replace it, how to tune it, how to do all this stuff. Uh, and when it was all said and done, the only thing that I had to go back for was the front drive shaft, because that crusty old fisherman on the coast didn't tell me it wasn't four wheel drive compatible because he had broken the front drive shaft. <laughs> when did I find that out? When I was in the woods in the middle of nowhere testing out the capabilities of my truck. And let me tell you about where I grew up. It's called the Sand Hills. And it is literally sand and pine tree. It is hell's outhouse because during the summer, because the sun comes down, and the heat just reta- the heat is just retained by all that sand. And it makes everything hotter. It is so freaking hot down there during the summers. And when you go out in the sand, if you don't have four-wheel drive, you're not going anywhere. It kind of reminds me of that movie, uh, My Cousin Vinny. When they're down there trying to figure out Alabama mud. <laughs> and one tire spins, the other one does nothing. So it, it's kind of like that, but in the, but with sand, it's a whole different ball of wax. So what I did as a genius that I was, I stood on the brake and floored the gas, spun up the rear tires, sank the ass end of the truck as far down as I could into the sand. Then I pulled it, put it, pulled it, and put it. I got out, locked the uh, the, the hubs and the front tires, put it in four-wheel drive, and tried to get out of the hole. <laughs> That's when I found out I didn't have four-wheel drive. That's when I found out I didn't have a front drive shaft. So I had to go back to the pick and pull. And I went and saw Jasper. And Jasper was like, you're a dumbass. Just go get it. And I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) But that story, I tell you that. So you understand you can maintain your own stuff if you just have the patience and the wherewithal to read the directions and figure it out. You should not be afraid to fix things on your own. Because, A, it'll save you a bunch of money. And, B, you need to know how to do this stuff. You shouldn't always have to do a Google search to get somebody to come to the house to help you fix something that you should have been able to fix yourself. That's why... I I love YouTube because if there's something I don't know how to do, which is very rare, but there are things that I just don't know how to do, uh, particularly when it comes to electrical work, I, I'll, I'll sit there. I'll, I think before I even buy a single part, I'm doing a whole bunch of research on the project that I'm just considering. And I will watch 10, 12, 15 hours of YouTube videos to learn different ways To solve that problem because somebody said hey I'll be helpful I'll tell somebody I'll teach somebody how to do it and videotape it and then they load it up on YouTube you can find just about everything that you want to learn about up on YouTube for example in part four no three part three of the book series I had a chapter that was dealing with a lot of medical stuff, and I had shot one of my characters, and I needed to make sure that I didn't kill him, but I needed to be able to keep him alive in a realistic manner. So I reached out to some folks on a forum, Uh, one of them I knew was a doctor, and I was like, hey, this is what I kind of wrote up, what do you think? And he was like, alright, first things first. I wish people would stop putting tampons in bullet wounds. That's not how that shit works. <laughs> and he said, the next piece of advice I'll give you, go to YouTube and watch videos about how to put in a chest tube. I was like, okay, I can do that, you know. And, and he was like, instead of a, shoving a tampon in a bullet hole, you want a bowl and chest seal. So make sure you have a bowl and chest seal in your med kit. It'll help. It'll keep the the lung from deflating and it'll allow air to get out uh, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, I probably watched 15, 20 hours worth of medical procedures, but it was all on YouTube. I'm not a doctor, but I know how to put in a chest tube now. (laughs) Come on over. Let me try. It'll be fun. (laughs) Said no one ever. Uh, So anyway, that... It's about car maintenance. It's about equipment maintenance. So you can do these things, um, but you just need to know how to get the right uh, search criteria into your your string of, of words. So it's you need to you need a model number, or you need a serial number, or you need to know the manufacturer. If you've got an older car, you can get one of those books. Like right now, the car that I drive, I'm. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm loath to do anything on it aside from getting the freaking tires changed. You know, I can do that, but with these new cars, man, they, they turn the engine 90 degrees. Now, the, the, so the engine sits perpendicular in the damn car and in my Ford truck, there was so much room in the engine cavity. I could get in the engine cavity and pretty much close the hood. There was that much room in there. Now the hood compartment is so compact and they've got so much gear and electronics and, and all kinds of crap in there that you can't barely work on it. Eh? And, and you're going to need a um, specialized tool to, be, to, to, to even get to stuff. It They've made things so difficult to maintain. And in the process, they made everything so freaking expensive. For the life of me, I cannot figure out how these people are driving brand new Ford and Chevy trucks. Because I'm I'm thinking to myself, you know what, you know, uh, the kids, I got one kid in college, the one will be in college in 2022. And I'm thinking, you know what, it's time for me to go get, I I don't need a four-door sedan anymore. I'm going to go get something fun. I'm going to get a truck or, you know, I'll go get another Jeep. I used to have a Jeep Wrangler. And I did all kinds of stuff on that Jeep Wrangler too. Went and bought the children's book, fixed it myself. But my problem ran in uh, the problem comes in with the price tag. They've got so much stuff that they've put into these trucks, whether it's different types of materials, or it's all of the computers and the electronics and the wiring and, and all of these different capabilities. And, and it's just how somebody can afford 70 to eighty thousand dollars for a truck is beyond me. Because to me, and, and maybe I'm old school, but hey, I don't want a car payment. But if I do get have to get a car payment, then you know, 300 bucks was 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 my max. It's been my max since 1991, when I first started buying cars. You know, if I had to pay more than 300 bucks, screw that, I'm not doing it. I'll save up, get a bigger down payment if I if you know, or else I'll just wait and pay cash for something. But these guys, I mean, people nowadays, they've got like a $1,200 a month lease. I don't know how you afford that. Uh, obviously, you chose a better career than I did. And I, they, I think they pay me a boatload of money. But I'm still not paying $1,200 a month for a freaking car. Not going to do it. It drives me nuts watching that. Or, you know, uh, I don't know how people do it. I really don't. And, and it's a really touchy subject. People don't like talking about money. They don't like talking about what their income was. I got no problem with it. I don't care. You ask me a question, I'm gonna answer it. I don't care. But, you know, and i and when I do tell you, I'm like, look, don't say I'm overpaid. I've been doing this shit for 25 years. So you're five years out of college. I don't think that you deserve to be paid what I get paid, because you don't know how to do three-quarters of stuff that I know how to do. In fact, I've forgotten more crap than you're going to learn in the next 20 years. So, give it a rest, Scooter. You're not getting the corner office with the windows. Get back in your cubicle and pay your dues. I don't know. That's a small rant, but that just kind of stuff really just pisses me off. Anyway, the other thing that I fixed was a grill. Um, and I... <laughs> it seems so stupid, but it, I, the, the crossover pipes. So, I've got a three-burner grill... And the main burner is the center burner, and that's the one that the igniter's on. And then they use these things called a crossover pipe to get the gas from the main burner over to the two outside burners, one on the left, one on the right. And it lets the gas kind of funnel through that, and then you can ignite the left and the right burner. Well, both of my crossover pipes had had rusted, and literally I went out there to use it for the first time a week or two ago. And, you know, I look inside as I'm getting ready to ignite it, and I'm like, what is that? And the crossover pipes had rusted over the winter and fallen down into the grilling cavity. And I was like, well, that sucks. And I bought this this whiz-bang grill. I bought it at Sam's Club. Um, And it's like uh, uh, one side of it is for uh, wood and charcoal, so I can use it as a smoker um, or a charcoal grill. I can cook over an open fire inside the 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 right hand bin because it i can it's got a big cast iron door on it and i can put firewood in there and it's great and then the left side is a three burner gas grill and then on the on the outside of that off the left side is is a searing grate that thing's awesome man that thing i don't know how they figured out that but you just chuck a steak on there and it's like seared then you can chuck it on the on the charcoal. You can chuck it on to the to the gas grill. Whatever you want to do. But anyway, this crossover pipe. There's two of them. They had rusted through. So I just went along and started doing Google searches. I was like, members mark uh, gas grill parts. And you know, and I found a, a, a random website. Some dude up in Minnesota or Wisconsin somewhere. And I mean, he had parts coming out of the wazoo. And it literally, had, they had. Three or four different crossover pipes. And, you know, so literally you get out a tape measure. You're like, oh, well, that one's six and a quarter. That one's five and an eighth. And that one's seven and a half. So let's see how big mine was. Okay, mine's five and an eighth. So I'll, I'll buy that. So I got four of those. I only needed two, but I bought four. Why? Spare parts. If I know that I haven't had that grill but three years and the crossover part, crossover pipe, is the part that had failed means it's going to fail again get extra parts they were like three bucks a piece i'm like okay great twelve dollars ten dollars shipping and handling 22 bucks so now for my weed eater i spent 24 for my grill i spent 22 and if i'd had to replace both and the extra heads that went on the weed eater i'd be out 600 bucks and instead, I'm only out 46. Hey, man, that's a win. I'll take it. Know what I mean? Learn how to fix and maintain your equipment. And it doesn't just have to be a lawnmower, a weed eater, a snowblower, backpack blower. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a piece of lawn equipment or farm machinery. You need to learn how to fix stuff at your house, too. How many of you actually know how to replace a window? You know, like when we bought this house, this house was built in 1944. it had original single pane wood windows. and I had to replace a few of them and my wife is over there on the other side of the window. you know I'm outside on a ladder, shimmying up the ladder, <clears throat> carrying a window and she's like, oh my God, don't we're, how are you gonna know how to do that?" I'm like, hello. I built custom luxury homes on and off for 10 years. It's not the first window I ever installed. (laughs) I did not tell her the following story. (laughs) So we're on a pair of pump jacks. And if you've been in construction, you know what that is. It's basically two two 2x4s nailed together uh, that you splice them together using a third one. And you have these contraptions that hook onto it and literally they crawl their way up the pump jack and we had an argon gas double pane sliding sliding door and (laughs) we have that thing on the walk plank and we're going up the pump jacks up to the third story now so this house had a walkout basement so the front of the house looked like two stories the back of the house was three stories went out to the lake and we're going up, and whoever was responsible for framing the opening for that uh, sliding glass door uh, made it too narrow. <laughs> you know what happened next? <laughs> so we realize what's happened, and as we're pulling the, the window out so that they can get the sawzall in there and, and open that opening up, to get the freaking door in. The guy on the other end of the walk plank. He did not get it all the way on to the walk plank. <laughs> so his end fell off. And I'm holding on to it. By the side rail. Which then promptly because of the weight. Snaps in my hands. Three stories up. So what do you have? You have. The. The biggest explosion I've heard this side of artillery. <laughs> because it was double pain, and in between the panes was filled with argon gas. So when that thing hit the back patio, it sounded like somebody just shot a freaking howitzer. And I have never seen the concussive blast of artillery before right so i never served in the military that's a different story that's that's two knee injuries and and a whole lot of beer so (laughs) different story but we were so close to the lake that when that window exploded you could see the concussive blast as it worked its way through the tree line and rippled the water okay that's how explosive this thing was And I thought we were all going to die. No joke. That is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Watching a window fall three stories and then have it explode like it was a bomb. Okay? But I didn't tell my wife that as I was going up my ladder in front of my house to go replace a window. (laughs) That would have just freaked her out. And she would have. She she doesn't even like me letting me get on a ladder now. And I'm like, baby, I gotta I gotta unclog these gutters. Something's going on up here. And she's like, oh my god, we gotta call somebody. You're getting too old to be up on a ladder. I'm like, I'll know when I'm too old to get up on a ladder, okay? When I get halfway up, if I start thinking this is a bad idea, okay, now we've reached the point where I'm not willing to do that anymore. But I'm not there yet. I'm still gonna do it. I'm just gonna do it when she's not here. That way, I don't have to have a fight about it. So you guys you need to learn how to maintain your 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 equipment but you need to maintain your house you know like we I just swapped out a toilet the other day and then we had a toilet in the basement for some reason we have such high water table that because of the remodel it 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 allows water to come up that's why we installed the sump pump um so I don't have that problem but when we get good heavy rains for a couple days You'll see a little leakage coming out from underneath the toilet in the ba- in the bathroom in the basement. And and so I was like, well, this is weird. Something's not right. The, nothing should be coming up through the floor. There's a wax ring in there, or whatever. So I pulled the toilet, turned it upside down, and lo and behold, what we discovered was that that the, the porcelain on the underneath side of the toilet did not come down and mate with the wax ring it was a very it had a very high arch up in there and what i went so sure enough i went online and looked and i was like oh so here's how you solve that problem you put two wax rings on it that way when you seat the toilet again it is now mated with the wax ring so you got your bolts which are always those bolts always drive me nuts they move around and i can never get them to lock just right but I'm getting better at it, but that that particular toilet required two wax rings, and then, you know, here's the ultimate test. It rained off and on pretty much all week this week, and I didn't have any, and, and I know the water table came up because I kept hearing the sump pump go off. So, it's important to know how to maintain your stuff, and if you can't figure it out, ask questions from people that you know already know how to do it. Whether that's a, a brother in law or sister in law in your family that is a plumber, or an electrician, or a mechanic of some kind, ask a lot of questions. Okay? See if they'd be willing to come over and teach you how to do it. Let you do the work and they can just point, you know, like a <laughs> like a state worker. That's kind of a joke, my own little funny joke to myself, because I work with a lot of state workers. But I'm talking, you know, when you're driving down the road and the construction site and you see one dude leaning on a shovel and two other dudes working, that's the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, that's enough for that. Um, learn how to maintain your stuff. There's plenty of opportunities and methods and man and ways for you to get the information that you need. Don't be afraid to go look it up. Don't be afraid to ask questions, all right? You're going to need to know how to do this stuff. And when you have the opportunity, get spare parts, whether that's for your car or for your house or for your equipment that you use around your property, your homestead, your farm, you know, my suburban nightmare, whatever it is, learn how to maintain your equipment and get spare parts for the things that have just failed because now it is painfully obvious that that's the part that's going to fail again. So be vigilant and keep an eye on stuff. We'll be right back. And now we pause for some shameless self promotion. If you like the show and are curious as to how my mind works, then pick up my five part fictional series today. In a nutshell, over the course of When Rome Stumbles, Hannibal is at the gates by the dawn's early light, colder weather, and a time for reckoning, I crashed a big ag in financial industries, unleashed some jihadists and an EMP. Then we spend 20 years trying to evade a socialist dictator. All five parts are available in paperback and electronic formats. Parts one through three are in audio format, and parts four and five will be in audio format by the end of the year. Now back to the show. All right, so now that's all the way, I wanted to keep the topic somewhat focused on, on, on you, your home, your family, and... And so in addition to keeping up with the maintenance on your home, whether that's windows or doors, you know, you can do like a home energy audit. That'll tell you what you need to do uh, to close up any air gaps for, you know, to keep bugs and critters out. You know, you want to find any any bad mortar joints, get that stuff done. But um, really what, what I'm getting toward is, is more about uh, family planning when it comes to emergencies uh so but it's it and it's not limited to just your domicile it's you know do you know about the emergency plans for your kids schools Uh, for your place of employment Uh, do you know what the evacuation routes are if there is a uh, gas leak at, a, at your kid's school or at your place of employment or if there's a bomb threat or if there's an active shooter, do you know what it is that you're supposed to do? Um, how are you going to get to your kids if they've all been evacuated for any pick a reason? And it doesn't matter what it is. Um, but it actually, that uh, brings me to a point. Um, I was talking with my wife, and she was saying that, you know, when she first started teaching and the concept of active shooters came up with those two jackasses out in Columbine, out in Colorado, in uh, Aurora, Colorado, um, the prevailing thought from law enforcement in terms of instruction to school districts and schools in general, teachers, is to shelter in place, turn off all the lights, lock your door. Uh, everybody you know put paper up in the windows so they can't see into the room Uh, you know huddle everybody out of line of sight Uh, you know huddle them up in a corner or something and then more shootings took place in the workplace and in schools and that thought process shifted and it was lock your doors but you know if you're on the exterior break out a window get your kids out Uh, if a kid is uh, petrified in shock scared unable to move leave them behind get out of the building get as many out as you can then COVID happened and now (laughs) now they're saying leave your doors open we need airflow so we've gone from protecting you And trying to give you best guidance for active shooters and things like that, you know, keeping your door shut. Now, COVID happens, and they're more worried about a pandemic that will only kill .005% of the people that actually get it versus an active shooter. So, she thought that was an interesting dichotomy, and she wanted to share that with me. But... Uh, when it comes to uh, planning, workplace, children, what have you, um, you know, you need to be aware of what the contingency plans are for evacuations and, and what the protocols and procedures are for that. So you need to be aware of that. And one of the things that you can do, at least for your family, when it comes to that is, is, is knowing and getting copies of important documents together and and having them stored in a in an off-site location that you can access in an emergency and these documents could be anything from uh, marriage licenses and divorce decrees or death certificates uh, any any house or land deeds uh, vehicle titles social security cards birth certificates passports uh, copies of those you can keep in the house, but, you know, keep the original somewhere safe, safer, you know, because your house could burn down. The likelihood of a bank burning down with a safety deposit box is far lower than your home. Um, but you also need to be keeping track of any living wills, organ tissue donation, DNR statements, uh, any documentation that deals with these important topics. You need to be aware of those things. Um, your military records that's a big one um, your your dd-214s and things of that nature so uh, these things they go in my mind they go into the same bucket as home maintenance for me because i think of them in the same light in the same way as i would um of making sure that my, my mortar joints on my chimney are, are are good and nothing's falling out and I don't have busted up windows and I don't have air gaps and old rickety doors, um, you know, the, the plumbing on my house. I mean, all of these things, that's physical home maintenance. And then you have the rest of home maintenance, which comes in the form of papers and, 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 and documentation. So, and an offshoot of that is emergency planning for evacuations and, you know, how, uh, whether that's a phone tree or do you have a meetup location, do you have, um, a way to get in touch with your child or your, your loved ones, your spouse significant other, what you know, whatever it is, do you have a means to communicate with them in an emergency? Now, you have to remember, if there's an actual emergency, the cell towers are going to fill up fast, whether that's through um, FaceTime calls or regular cellular calls, texting, all of that's going to try and run right through the cell tower, and it's going to clog it up. So, it's for that reason that we still have an old um, rotary phone. Now it's push button, but you know it plugs into a phone line, and we have a phone jack, and we use that when we lose power. Um, we literally we never answer the home phone, um, we, but we keep it for emergencies because cell phones die. Um, you know I have a, a variety of means to keep my cell phone charged, but. In an emergency, we can be reached on our old home phone number by family members, and they know that. So that's 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 important. And that's really where I wanted to take the conversation after we talked about maintaining equipment and um, and various things. So uh, I hope you guys have a good week, and um, we will talk again soon. Later. Happy Hunger Games, and. May the odds be ever in your favor.